0: Greetings and welcome to the third day of the following Jesus Gospel series. It's a joy to share the ministry with the team here face to face and to welcome all those who have joined us online. I trust that you had a good day and I trust that each day during this series you are learning more and more of what it means to follow Jesus. Last night, we saw that in order to truly follow Jesus as his disciples, we must live our lives by the it is written of the word of God, the Bible. We must make reading and studying and memorizing and meditating and obeying God's word, a priority in our lives. The Bible can be twisted for selfish reasons. We saw that last night. And so there is a need to be prayerful and diligent in seeking truth, God's truth. I'm aware that there is a link for if you have a Bible question or you desire to study the Bible deeper and further than after the series, there is a link that you can click and Pastor West here and the team will connect to you so that you can study the Bible, you can be guided to discover God's truth. Tonight I'll be speaking on the subject lost but found as we learn of following Jesus and I want to ask that you join me again in prayer asking the Lord to speak to your heart, to open your heart, to hear what he has to say and to guide me so that I say what he would have you hear, what he would have me say in the way that he would have me say. So let's bow our heads as we pray silently and when you hear the singing, wrap up the prayers, I'll pray and share the word tonight.
1: Gracious Lord Lord,
0: we need you tonight to speak that word that you want us to hear. Lord, you know that I do not have any words of my own. I claim your promise tonight that your Holy Spirit will teach me what to say and how to say it. I ask, oh Lord, that you will take this lump of clay and do it again. That your spirit will move in a mighty way, bringing conviction and conversion to the hearts of your children. That someone may find Jesus and come to know him of whom to know is life eternal. Thank you for hearing and answering this prayer tonight. Pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name and let the church of God say... Amen. And amen. The gospel tells us of the life of Jesus. And in order for us to know how to follow Jesus, we must understand how he lived and follow his example. Though many times we think of Jesus as a nice guy, Jesus as a gentleman, easygoing and peaceful, Jesus was actually a walking controversy. Jesus' actions were scandalous, were offensive and challenged the established moral standards of society. Jesus shocked people. And his actions would make front page news. And that's what tonight's topic is about. The gospels tell us that Jesus ate with sinners. With tax collectors and sinners. Turn your Bibles with me to Luke 15 that's where we will be tonight Luke 15 verse 1 and 2 then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him and the Pharisees and scribes complained saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. Help me, Holy Ghost, to present this message tonight. Uh, uh, Jesus eats with sinners. Now, many times we glance over that, but I hope that tonight you'll be able to catch a picture of what this is actually talking about. It's a righteous man... Uh, uh, sitting and eating with sinners. A righteous, holy man uh, eating with sinners. Now, in case you don't know, eating was the closest fellowship that you could ever have with anyone in those days. I think it's almost the same today. When you sit to eat with someone, it speaks to closeness. Jesus was eating with people who had a very bad reputation in society. Jesus was interacting with tax collectors, men who were known for collecting money from their own people for the enemy, for the Romans, people who enriched themselves at the expense of their own people. Uh, If if you were in Palestine at the time and a tax collector was walking by, you would probably hear the Jews shout and spit to show how much they hated tax collectors. But here is Jesus sitting and eating with tax collectors. They were frauds and they were traitors. But Jesus was eating with them. That definitely made front page news. It was scandalous. Let me make it a little bit more interesting. Jesus ate with prostitutes. Women who sold their bodies for sex to make money and a living. Tax collectors and sinners were people who were looked down upon and cut off by the religious society and leaders because of their work and their way of life because it was dishonest and immoral and yet Jesus ate with these people. Let me bring it home where you can reach it. If Jesus were here today, he probably would be surrounded by half-naked, miniskirt-clad ladies, alcoholics and drug dealers, gangsters with tattoos and sagging pants below their buttocks with hidden weapons, outrageous hairstyles and fashion and body piercings, gays and lesbians. Are you beginning to get what I'm talking about tonight? People that you and I would be very uncomfortable being around. Convicts out of jail, on parole. Jesus ate with sinners. Scary, but true. Jesus visited these people and ate with them, and watched this. They were comfortable in his presence philippians he said jesus had mastered the ability of loving people whose behavior he disapproved let me say that one more time jesus had mastered the ability To love people whose behavior he disapproved. Uh, Christians, we haven't done so good a job at that because the truth is that we are judgmental. And that's tomorrow night's topic, so I'm not going to go there. Until tomorrow night. But tonight, the message is that Jesus ate with sinners. Why did Jesus engage in such scandalous friendship with well-known, brazen-faced sinners in society? Uh, uh, This behavior troubled the religious leaders and teachers, as we can see In Luke 15, verse 1 and 2, and let me read it again. Luke 15, verse 1 says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to hear him. Verse 2, And the Pharisees and the scribes complained and said, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Two categories of people. Don't miss it. Tonight, we're talking about the first category, the tax collectors and the sinners. And tomorrow, we'll be talking about the Pharisees and the scribes. But why did Jesus eat with sinners? To answer the question, Luke tells three parables of lost things. The parable of the lost sheep from verses 3 to 7. The parable of the lost coin from verses 8 to 10. And the parable of the lost son. And that's the one we're going to be focused on tonight. The parable popularly known as the prodigal son. Luke 15 from verse 11, the story begins, a certain man had two sons. A certain man had two sons. And the younger son decides to ask his father for his wealth before his father dies. Asks for his father's inheritance before his death, which was an insult to his father. But his father gave it to him anyway, and he sold all of that, got some money, gathered all that he had, and walked away from home. Went, the Bible says, to a far country went away to a far country that's verse 13 by the way Jesus is telling this story to make a point and as we seek to understand what it means to follow Jesus I hope that we catch the point he went away to a far country and he wasted his possessions In reckless living. By the way, the word prodigal means wasteful. He spent the money recklessly, he blew it. This young man had lived in his father's household for a time, uh, lived according to the rules of the community, uh, but for some reason he was tired of following the rules and he wanted to live life on his own terms. Does that sound familiar? We want to live life on our own terms. We want to live he wanted to live as he pleased. To enjoy freedom and that's what sin is, my dear brothers and sisters. Sin is walking away from God, to a far country. In our world today, there are many who choose to live as they please, to live without God and without his law. The Bible tells us that the law tells us what sin is, and that sin is the transgression or the breaking of, Of God's law but I love the way it is presented in the NIV. First John 3 verse 4 says sin is lawlessness. Sin is living your life outside God's law. Sin is choosing to live without God, without his law, choosing to live as we please, Choosing to walk away from God instead of walking with God. So watch this. When I sin, God does not move away from me. I move away from God. I grew up as a kid learning that when I sin, God leaves me alone, but now I know better. I know that God remains exactly where I left him because I'm the one who moved. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have walked each one according to his own way. That's what sin is. It is walking away from God. And brothers and sisters, when we walk away from God, we are lost. When we walk away from the one who holds and owns our life, the one who truly gives us fulfillment in life, we are lost. Uh, proverbs fourteen twelve and proverbs sixteen twenty-four and twenty-five says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death and destruction. And so when we walk away from God, when I choose to live life on my own terms, I'm lost. Going away from God, we are lost. Lost when we have walked far away from God like our first parents did. Hiding from God. And, and, and God comes looking for them and says, where are you? I got excited when I found out that that was the first question in the Bible. Genesis 3 verse 9. Where are you? And you see, God didn't ask because he didn't know. God asks so that they could recognize where they were. Because the truth is, many of us are lost and we don't even know it. But God brings a word to us and that's why the word of God is so important. The word of God opens our eyes so that we can discern reality From God's perspective, as I shared last night, last night I shared that we have an enemy who wants to keep us from the word of God. And when he does keep us from the word of God, we are not able to discern what is true from what is false. We think that we're enjoying life, but we're lost. God's word helps us to see. That when we stray away from God by our choices, we are lost. It's interesting that this young man goes and he spends his father's money. His father's hard-earned money. And I want to emphasize that. His father's hard-earned money. Imagine saving preparing for retirement, putting everything together, and your son just takes it all and blows it away. And we're going to come to that towards the end of the story. Uh, uh, Brothers and sisters, that's what sin does. Sin takes God's gifts, God's resources, and wastes them. Sin... Wastes God's gifts takes all that God has provided for us to please ourselves rather than honor God. And so sometimes you hear young people saying, "It's my body. I can do whatever I want to do with it. It's not your body." First Corinthians 6:19 and 20 says, "You were bought. With a price. So honor God with your body. It's interesting that all the evil that we do is done with God's blessings. God's resources. God's provision. That we use against God. And against his will. The story continues to state that very soon he spent everything that he had. This is verse 14, Luke 15 verse 14. He spent all that he had and to make matters worse, a famine arose in the land. A famine arose in the land so he Not only ran out of money, the economy went bankrupt and there was no work. And, you know, uh, if you take time to read carefully the verses, it says that this young man was in trouble. Because he was in want. He suffered hunger. He begged for food. No one was there to help him. No one gave him anything this is uh, verses 14 to 16 no one gave him anything another point to draw from this story is that sin has consequences sin has consequences turning away from god has consequences And I, I love to talk to young people. I love to talk to young people. And that's one lesson that I think that our young people need to get. It's not just for young people. It's for everybody. But I like to emphasize it to young people. Because many times we think we can do stuff and get away with it. But life, choices have consequences. It's very important to remember that choices have Consequences, and you see, even the forgiveness of God many times does not remove the consequence of our sins. We have to learn to live with the consequences of our sins, and we need to remember that every choice has consequences. But here's one that you probably haven't really thought about. And Lord help me as I explain it tonight. The greatest consequence of sin is that it destroys the image of God in us. It destroys the character of God in us. The more we sin, the more we damage ourselves. Let me put it where you can reach it. You might lie to someone and never get caught and think that it's okay. But you see, the result of the lie is in you. The result of the lie is in you. I used to share with my students and i have i have one of them here with me to say if you cheat in a test and you never get caught and you you will continue to cheat you will strengthen that habit of cheating and it will follow you everywhere you go If you cheat in a test, you will cheat in an exam. And when you become a pastor, you will cheat. And when you become the president, you will cheat. And wherever you go, the character you have formed will follow you. That is the consequence of sin. Proverbs 5 verse 22 says that that, that sin ties us up with cords. It binds us. I remember growing up and uh, my dad bought me a book of drawings, a health book of drawings. And and I remember uh, flipping through the pages with my younger sister. And one of the images in that book, I still remember, very simple cartoon, was a picture of a boy who found a baby snake. Cute baby snake. Yes, and took care of that snake and fed the snake. And uh, the, the, the drawing showed that the snake grew bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And at the end of the drawing, the, the snake wrapped itself around that. It was not a boy anymore. He was now a man and was strangling the life out of him. That's what sin does. The more we feed sin, the habit of sin, the more it binds us and begins to strangle the life out of us. And brothers and sisters, it's important for us to understand this point because many times we think that we can sin and get away with it. We think that, oh, God will forgive me. Yes, he will. But there's so much more deeper effect that sin has caused. You say, praise God that 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 Jesus gave his life to save us from sin. And what that really means is that is, is that the power of Jesus is able to restore what sin has damaged in us. I remember watching a series of videos and one of them about the power of media the effect of media on the mind and and one of the videos showed the effect of pornography on the mind and i never forgot it compared the brain of a normal man and a man who had fed his mind on pornography and you know it was amazing To see that the brain fed on pornography was smaller. It had shrunk. And it had holes in it. That's what sin does. Sin destroys. And we may not see it. But God sent me here tonight to help us see how terrible sin is and how lost we can be. Sin is self-destruction. Many times God uses the consequences of our sin to draw us back to himself. For it is when this young man had spent everything he had that he came to his senses. Luke 15 tells us that after he came face to face with the pigs and began to long for pig food, and by the way, that's what sin does to us. It reduces the nobility and the dignity of God's image and character and reduces us to animal passions. When human beings begin to do things that even animals don't do. I've never heard of a gay monkey before. I had to say that. I don't know if animals ever do things like that, but you see, the Bible makes it clear in Romans chapter 1 from verse 28 to 32 that when we reject God, we become worse than animals. That's what sin does to us. And that's what's in the story. The young man desires to eat pig food. But praise God, the story continues. He came to his senses. Hallelujah. He recognized That he was lost. He recognized that he needed to go back to his father's house. He needed to go home. And why was he convinced that he needed to go home? His father's love. You see, many times I am sorry, I keep talking to young people, but that's my passion. Many times I have, I've had the privilege of growing up as a young person and working with young people. I remember uh, working as a, an assistant hospital chaplain, uh, going to the university clinic with my friend who was the head chaplain and praying for people room to room. And, 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 and we were ministerial students, you know, so we knew these students. And many times when... The, the, the message was going on. They, these young men would not listen. These were the young men who were uh, are not ready to wake up and have worship. Uh, they, they complained and just turned the other way when it was time for, for room worship. And when it was time to go to church, they didn't want to go. But, but when they fell sick, they were ready for a prayer. They were ready to say, Pastor, pray for me. And when they were called by the dean for disciplinary action, then they came for prayer. C.S. Lewis calls pain God's megaphone. For many times when God is speaking, we don't hear, so he turns up the volume through the pain and the trouble that comes into our lives so that he gets our attention and helps us to see the consequence of choosing to stray from him. Uh, You may not be ready for God now, but when trouble comes, then we recognize that we are lost. But I'm here tonight to say you don't have to wait until trouble comes. Because Jesus wants you to come home to Him. And so this young man decides to go home. And that is a picture of repentance. And repentance leads to confession. Repentance leads to confession. Repentance takes place in the mind. That's actually what the Greek word for repentance is, metanoia. It's a change of mind. And I love the illustration from this picture. Repentance is a U-turn. So remember I said that sin is going away from God. But repentance is recognizing that you are lost going away from God and then turning around and coming back to God. That's what repentance is. And that's what this young man decided that he was going to do. Now you see this young man was wrestling as you and I would, recognizing that he had blown all his father's money. It was a lot of money. And he was thinking, how in the world am I going to get back to my father? All right. I'm going to tell my father to put me on a payment plan. To do all the work I need to do so that I can pay him back. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm smiling because that's a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work that he probably would spend the rest of his lifetime. And you see, he said, you know what? I don't mind. I'm going to work my way back. At least that's going to make me acceptable to my father. And so he decides to go home. He prepares a confession that he would say to his father that we find in Luke 15, verse 18. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So just make me like one of your hired servants. Repentance, a change of mind that leads to confession. But the heart of the story is what the father did. But before we go to what the father did, Romans 2 verse 4 says, it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It was because this young man recognized that his father loved him. His father would take him home. That convinced him to go back. He knew his father's character of love. And yes, we serve a God who loves us and still blesses us when we sin making us recognize that it is not because of sin that God blesses us he blesses us because of who he is his character and so this young man decides to go home and the Bible says that afar when the father stood and saw his son far away this is Luke 15 verse 20 He arose and came to his father, and when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Wow. What would a typical father do? (laughs) If I was that father, I would call the police. I would call the police to put him in jail so that he could wake up some more. But praise God, that's not how the story ends. This father, watch this, this father was not just any ordinary man. He was a wealthy man. And he was an old man. Uh, And the Bible says that he ran. You see, rich men don't run. Rich men walk and are accompanied by some bodyguards and some entourage. But this rich old man pulls up his garments and runs to his son because you see, I I read a book on the Jewish culture at the time, and you see this boy's uh, uh, crime. Uh, was not just a crime against his father, but it was a disgrace to the whole community. And so the the tradition was that if he ever dared come back, the community would meet him at the gate and break apart to say, you no longer belong to this community. Literally embarrass him, which is one of the things I think he considered Before coming home. But watch this. The father runs before anybody could dare say anything. Before anybody in the community could come to shame and to embarrass his son. He runs to his son and he embraces his son in his dirty, stinky, smelling clothes. And welcomes him home. Gives him a change of clothes, puts shoes on his feet, gives him a change of garment, puts a ring on his finger, restores his status, throws him an unexpected and undeserved homecoming party. Did he deserve to be welcomed? Nope but he was. And that's what the Bible calls grace. It's one of my favorite words in all of scripture. Grace. It is God giving us what we do not deserve. And so Jesus says that that's how the Father responds That's God's response when a sinner turns back to him in repentance and confession. But but why did this father welcome his lost son home? Why did he throw him a party? The answer is, and don't miss this church, the answer is not because of what the son had done, but because of who the son was. Not because of what he had done, but because of who he was. You see, despite his sinful, shameful actions, he was still a son. Still loved, still cherished. Praise God that he loves the sinner, even though he hates the sin. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, you may be lost, but you are loved by God. He loves you not because of what you do, but because of who you are. You are special to him. And that was the answer to the question that the Pharisees and the scribes were asking. Why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners the answer was because they are still of value to God they are still of worth to God just like that One lost sheep that got lost and because of its value, the shepherd left the 99 and went through the heat of the day and the cold of the night to find that one and bring it back home. And the story says that when he came home, there was rejoicing. And when that woman lost the coin, she left all the other ones and she swept the whole House to find that one coin, and when she found the coin, there was rejoicing. You see, each story ends with rejoicing when the lost is found, and in this story, the same thing happens. This son is lost, but he's found. Jesus seeks to meet sinners where they are and to save them. And praise God, Jesus does not meet sinners as they are and leave them as they are. Uh, He leaves them better. And so Jesus seeks sinners and, and seeks to sit with them and talk with them because he recognizes that they are human beings. That need a relationship. You know, friends, I realize that many times as Christians, we love to hit people over their heads because of their sin. But I've learned that those sinners already know. You don't need to tell them. The consciences are already active. What they need is not more condemnation, but love. And that's why Jesus sat with tax collectors and sinners. And one of my favorite stories of tax collectors is that of Zacchaeus. Uh, He was not just a tax collector. He was a chief (laughs) of tax collectors. And he lived in Jericho. And uh, the Bible says in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus had to go through Jericho. And uh, every time I read that story, I think Jesus went to Jericho just for Zacchaeus. And as as as, as Jesus walked through uh, Jericho, uh, Zacchaeus heard the news. And again, another rich man. <laughs> See, rich men don't climb trees. Ah, uh, but 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 Zacchaeus, short man, rich man, climbs the tree, and I want you to imagine that for a little bit. It was funny. Ah, uh, I'm sure. Uh, Caleb would have laughed if he was there. The kids were around. and was like, look at this guy trying to climb a tree with all his robes. and uh, But Zacchaeus didn't care. Because you see, Zacchaeus had spent his life enjoying his wealth. But he knew that something was missing from his life. Can you imagine living In a house, a rich house with all that you need. But nobody wants to come to your house. You can't invite anybody for lunch. Nobody wants to come. And so Zacchaeus has spent a lot of time eating all by himself. And Zacchaeus hears of this man Jesus and he's up on the tree. And he is... Uh, waiting for Jesus uh, to pass by, and I I love this part. Jesus stops under the tree, (laughs) looks up into the tree. His eyes meets that of Zacchaeus, and I'm sure that Zacchaeus' mouth drops as he, and his eyes opens as he's like, huh? Jesus is actually looking at me right now. Zacchaeus was starstruck he was dumbfounded he didn't know what to do and Jesus said that's all right Zacchaeus come down take your time and come down from the tree because today I'm going to your house I'm sure it almost knocked him out of the tree But here's another part of the story I love so much. Now, people didn't like Zacchaeus, and they complained about Zacchaeus. But you see, Jesus says, you know what? Come, come, Zacchaeus. Let's walk together. And these guys were like, why is this guy going to eat in Zacchaeus' house? And even though they didn't like it, they followed You see, tax collectors were bad guys. They were the guys you sat in the, that sat in the office and just waited for you to give them your money. Even though you didn't have it. And they would sit there in all their pride and ask you for that money and ask you for that money and ask you for that money. And, that money and here is Jesus going to the house of this bad guy to eat with him. And Jesus sits with Zacchaeus, and I'm sure that when they sat at the table to eat, Jesus didn't say, you know, Zacchaeus, you're a bad guy. I'm sure that's not what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. I'm sure he said something like, so how are you doing? How is work? How are you faring? How is your health? How is your family? When last did you visit your parents? Talk about things that Zacchaeus would want to talk about. And here's another part of the story I love so much. Zacchaeus, on his own, said, You know what, Lord, I realize that I've not been living right. And I want to do life differently. You see, Jesus didn't have to tell him, he knew. And it's like that for all that are lost. They need the love of God. To love them even while they are sinning, but then to love them out of their sin. To show them that there's a better way to live. That's why Jesus ate with sinners. That's why Jesus spent time with the lost, not to save them in sin, but to save them from sin. I'm so glad that Jesus eats with sinners. I'm so glad that Jesus rejoices when a sinner chooses to come home. And at the end of the story, Jesus says in Luke 19 verse 10, "For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost." Before following Jesus, there is the seeking of Jesus. There is the calling of Jesus. Before you follow Jesus, Jesus comes to seek after you and he comes to call you he comes to invite you to follow him there are so many I know who do not want uh, to come to church anymore because of some things that they did some who once knew the way but have decided to stray away from it many different stories Of people who know where they are. They're like like Zacchaeus. A lost sheep knows that it is lost but does not know how to come home. The good news is that Jesus came to seek for you. To look for you. To meet you where you are and to save you. To bring you home. I'm so glad that Jesus still seeks and saves the lost he still seeks sinners he still welcomes sinners he still forgives sinners he still restores sinners he still celebrates and rejoices when a sinner chooses to come home he still says rejoice with me because the lost has been found hallelujah somebody Many times you and I have lived like this prodigal son. I have chosen to live my way or to do life my way. And I've ended up in trouble. But I'm so glad that God's grace still forgives. And God's grace still restores. And it it doesn't matter what you have done. God is willing and able to forgive you. All your sins. First John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all. Hallelujah. Unrighteousness. He's faithful and just. He's always ready to forgive because it is his nature and his character to forgive. So are you lost today? The good news is that Jesus is seeking to save you. Jesus is asking you to come home to him. If you take God's forgiving grace, if you take God's grace today, he will restore you. Is there anyone who is willing to stop being lost? And to come back to God today, to stop living as you please, and to consider the unfailing love of God for you. Tonight is our privilege to invite you to come home to Jesus. your
2: desire tonight
0: to say, Lord, I know that I'm lost and I'm coming home to you. There are links in the chat for you to click. You want prayer. You recognize that you are lost and you're asking Jesus to save you. Click the link and ask for prayer. You recognize that you are lost and you want to come home tonight. Click the link to make that decision to follow Jesus. To come home to Jesus. To recognize that living life the way you want to live it is just going to get you in trouble. It's going to destroy your life. But the good news tonight is that Jesus is waiting to restore you, Jesus is waiting to embrace you. Somebody says Jesus loved you so much that he stretched his arms. a cross waiting to embrace you as you come home to forgive all to throw a welcome party for you as you choose to turn around and come home to turn around from going uh, to that far country to stop and to recognize that it is the path to destruction Jesus wants to save you today. Jesus wants you to come home to him today. For he came to seek and to save the lost. Choose Jesus today. Click that link. And choose to stop being lost to come home to him give heaven a reason to celebrate tonight for each story in luke 15 ends with the celebration that the lost has been found if you choose wherever you are tonight to say lord Then heaven will rejoice as you choose to make that turn to him. Heavenly Father, it's good news to know that you're a God who seeks and saves the lost. It's good news to know that when we're lost, we're not left on our own, but you're going to come looking for us. Dear Lord, there's someone tonight watching that needs to be reminded that you're looking for them that you're here to save them that it doesn't matter how far they have strayed from you you're coming for them that you want to save them Lord please touch somebody's heart tonight save somebody who is lost tonight help somebody make that decision to come home to you to come to their senses and to come home thank you Lord for the assurance we have that everyone who comes will cause a celebration in heaven tonight thank you for those who are deciding thank you for those who are coming home to you Thank you that the lost has been found. Accept our praise and accept our thanks for delivering again tonight. Because we thank you and ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Join us tomorrow for Lost at Home.